So Viren, uh, from farm to spoon, you know, what are the major steps in sugar business? Like, uh, is it uh, integrated business, uh, be it in India, be it in other countries? But let's let's begin with the steps in the sugar uh, business from from farm to spoon. So the farm to spoon uh, sugar supply chain or sugar value chain can be broken down in three major components. Mm -hmm. So we have the upstream portion, mm -hmm. uh, which is basically where sugarcane or uh, uh, beet is grown. Mm -hmm. And then that comes to the mills where it is crushed. And, and uh, sugar, I mean, sugar is manufactured. Yeah. Uh, now, in case of uh, sugarcane, uh, there are there's an intermediary, intermediate process involved that uh, is first you get raw sugar mm -hmm. and then that is then further converted to refined sugar. So there are, uh, so there are mills where who produce refined sugar or white sugar and, and there are mills which produce raw sugar and store raw sugar, right? Mm -hmm. So that uh, essentially is the upstream portion. Mm -hmm. Then you have the midstream where from the warehouses mm -hmm. where the sugar is stored Mm -hmm. that's moved by bulk vessels mm -hmm. to uh, refineries. Mm -hmm. Now, these are standalone refineries who basically buy raw sugar, they refine it, and, uh, you know, produce the refined sugar, white sugar, mm -hmm. and then, you know, push it forward in the, in the value chain. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. is like the midstream. And then the downstream is where, um, you know, uh, refined sugar is purchased, it is again loaded in containers, trucks, uh, rails, and it then comes to the consuming area, mm -hmm. um, you know, the end buyers. So that is the downstream portion. So so these are the three main components of the entire uh, sugar value chain. Right. And uh, in the third part is where they, you know, put it in consumer packs, brand it and sell it or uh, yeah. and so on, yeah. right? Yeah. So... Yeah. so Right, and you mentioned white sugar, so so maybe uh, you know uh, since we discussed uh, jaggery, let me also ask this uh, question: uh, There are two other types of sugar which we see in the in the market other than white. Uh, one is brown, right? Uh, so in at what stage does it come out of the uh, you know in the process that you just described? Where where do the where does the brown crystalline sugar where does it come out? So that's a good question, uh, Venkat. So uh, the, the, the sugar uh, uh, is measured in a kumsa, mm. and a kumsa is nothing but uh, it's the measure of the polarization. So it's like a crystal, right? The amount of yeah. light, light which light passes. It allows you to pass through, yeah. Yeah, yeah so the, the more the light passes, the clearer uh, yes. the crystal is. And hence, uh, so white sugar is basically, which is more clear, in terms yep. of yep. which has a much higher polarization. Brown sugar has less polarization because it is not really refined to the level of the white sugar Sorry. and it still has some bit of impurities, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it is produced to be fit for human consumption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and you know, if you remember earlier I said that jaggery carries some, you know, vitamins, some um, uh, you know, minerals like phosphorus, mm -hmm. magnesium vitamins like uh, B, B12. So those mm. are still there and that makes it more healthy. Mm. 
Okay. And, and that's the reason why we supermarkets still sell the brown sugar because that's considered to have more nutritional value compared to let's say a refined sugar. Okay. So so Jay, this is this is very interesting information for for us to understand um but does it come out from the second stage that we talked you talked about or no it actually still goes to the third phase companies which which actually do uh, you know deal in white sugar and they are the ones who also handle the white sugar in consumer yeah. packs yeah they, so i mean depending on the demand uh, because different markets uh, it's all driven by the demand so different markets mm-hmm. there are some markets which need uh, they 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 have a specific ask for brown sugar so mm. it is during the process mm. they tap mm. uh, so they probably skip a few stages of mm. of refining but mm. they still sterilize enough mm. for it to be fit for human consumption fit for human consumption one more thing which uh, you know uh, you know in in, in india and uh, many countries in asia also we see cube sugar very often in five star hotels or like you know in uh, upper end uh, uh, grocery stores but uh, uh like like you i've also spent good amount of time traveling across africa and especially west africa and francophone africa to be more precise uh, was there where i found that like the common man also take consumes a lot of cube sugar right i mean i think uh, and they would get it usually from france or other european countries so uh you know uh, at what stage does sugar that you talked about get transformed into cube sugar so uh you know these are all value added specialty sugars yeah uh, if you look at the total volume of these kind of sugars they're probably very less that's uh, but again you know i mean uh, sugar being a commodity uh, you know people try and keep adding value so that uh, it is not really it's basically a, a way to mitigate uh, the price risk associated with yeah. sugar Um, sure. you know and and again it a lot of thing uh, evolved with cultures so wherever there was a more french influence uh, you know they had a certain way of consuming sugar similarly if wherever, wherever the english when there was a certain way of consuming uh, sugar so i think those traditions have followed Uh, yeah it was a culture shock culture shock for me to see that the man on the street in west africa francophone africa would uh, you know demand that he would only have uh, you know a cube sugar because it is really more expensive right uh, yeah. but my my question was uh, also uh, at what stage from an industry perspective like processing what where do they uh, take out and make cube sugar at what stage so, so these are uh, these are packers which basically mm. buy the finished product so bulk let's say bulk uh, white sugar refined sugar okay and then they would value add uh, you know pack it in small packs or uh, you know do some kind of additional processing to mm. make sugar cubes you know compress the sugar ah. make sugar cubes out of it so they compress so it protein. they basically yeah. compress it okay yeah okay. compress so, the fine you know, the sugar basic yeah basic ingredient is your refined sugar or crystal sugar and mm-hmm. then you know you can produce sugar which is good for baking caster sugar which is super fine yeah yep. um, there are even super refined sugar which has yep. a very very low kimza uh, there is pharmaceutical grade sugar which right. goes into medicine so Medicines. all these are like further down the value Process. chain sure uh, yeah depending on the need and the demand yeah. 
So how integrated, you know, uh, the other part of my question was, how integrated is this business, uh, be it India, be it Brazil or other countries, integrated meaning, uh, you know, from uh, plantation to, to you know, uh, refining and, uh, and and so on. So are the same people own it or, in you know, how is it in India? How is it in other countries? So by and large, uh, if you look at the global footprint of, of sugar, uh, the plantations are very much with the farmers, mm -hmm. uh, especially let's say in a country like India mm -hmm. or Thailand or mm -hmm. some of the other developing countries. Mm -hmm. uh, the farmer produce uh, the sugarcane, mm -hmm. yeah, and then they bring the sugarcane to the mills. Mm -hmm. So uh, mills definitely are not fully integrated. So mm -hmm. a lot of mills don't own uh, the farms; they have to depend on the farmers to bring all the sugar cane to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and once the sugar cane comes to the mill, they process mm -hmm. it uh, to the point of either raw sugar or mm -hmm. refined sugar, mm -hmm. and they sell it to the market. Uh, and then they're not, I mean, I don't remember, or I don't know of any mill being really integrated to the extent uh, forward integrated that mm -hmm. they produce specialty sugar mm -hmm. or you know, so a lot of, there are a lot of co-packers which uh, do that. Only a few mills, very large groups are forward integrated in terms of producing specialty sugar. Right. In terms of but backward farming, integration. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Farming, farming and milling operations are two are separate uh, in most of the uh, sugar producing uh, regions. Mm, right. uh, in, in Europe, mm. um, there are cooperatives, mm. um, you know, and the cooperatives in some cases uh, also have uh, shareholding in the mills, mm -hmm. the producers. So that's where, you know, it's it's kind of integrated, but right. still they are pretty much within- Legally the separate entities, of... but there is a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, but yeah. yeah. But how is it in Brazil? Because you mentioned specifically India, Thailand and so on, and also Europe, how is it Brazil the big, uh, is there more integration in Brazil or uh, it's also similar to the other countries? It's, it's very similar. The only difference in Brazil is that Brazil and Australia, mm -hmm. uh, they have very large scale farming. These are organized mm -hmm. farming. So for example, mm -hmm. the average land holding in India, Thailand, mm -hmm. China is maybe mm -hmm. two to three hectares. Mm -hmm. You know, like there are 50, 60, 100 million farmers in the business and then each one of them aggregates and, and uh, you know, sends the sugarcane to the mills. In right. Brazil, Australia, the farmers are big and that's the case in Europe as well. So they're large scale farming. So one farmer will have a huge uh, mass of land mm. uh, where they will uh, farm the produce and, and, and sell it to the mills. Right, right. So, you know, uh, in, in India, and we see that it's, uh, you know, sugar is a quite a political crop. There is a sugar lobby and so on and so forth. Is it similar in other countries? Absolutely, Venkat. So sugar is an essential commodity mm -hmm. and sugar globally, um, you know, you need farmers. Uh, it's agri-product, right? So there's mm -hmm. a large farmer community uh, mm -hmm. producing this crop. So it's, mm -hmm. a, uh, it's a sensitive commodity because it's mm -hmm. an essential commodity and mm -hmm. it is highly political as well. So not only in India, mm -hmm. uh, across the globe, uh, we have many countries uh, which have a government interference. Mm. If you look at the global landscape of sugar, so mm. as I said, 180 
80 million tons of production. More than 50 percent of the production sits in countries which are highly regulated, uh, which right. means that there is a there is some sort of a tariff or a non-tariff barrier which the government has imposed. Imposed, and that yes. is that is mainly to protect the farmer Dumbest. because farmers farmers are a large wood bank mm. for 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 governments, and hence right. it's a it's a fairly protected uh, uh, industry. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, any, you know, many of the agricultural uh, commodities get affected by, you know, insects, viruses, and so on and so forth. So are there some things that, uh, you know, such things which impact the sugarcane crop? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's, uh, uh, it's agricultural crop, and uh, it is prone to fungus, and various virus. Uh, so there are definitely uh, uh, a lot of these uh, diseases which affect the crop and in turn affect uh, the yields from the mm -hmm. crop. And that's why tracking those diseases or treating them becomes mm -hmm. uh, very important. So, so, I mean, I can name a few. I mean, there are a whole uh, host of bacterias and, and, and viruses and fungus. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I think the... Uh, the most prevalent is the sugarcane smut. It's yep. a kind of a fungus, uh, you know, uh, so that really affects the crop. Uh, there is uh, the red rot disease. Yes, yes. Uh, so if you, you can, if you you can see at, the red red inside that in the yeah, sugarcane, right? Yeah. Sugarcane. So that's a kind of, a, again, it's a fungal disease uh, which uh, plagues the, uh, the sugarcane. Mm. Uh, there is sugarcane mosaic virus disease. Uh, so it's more of a viral thing. Mm. And then if you look at the beet, uh, you know, uh, there is like a yellow virus disease. Mm -hmm. uh, so recently, if you look at the recent crop in Europe, mm. 1920 crop, it was mm. badly affected by the yellow virus. Uh, and to the extent that 20% France mm. dropped their crop by 20%, yes, uh, which, yes, is a, yes. which, had, which had a significant bearing in the overall SND of yeah. sugar. Supply and demand in the global market, right? Yeah. 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 Similarly, there are various kinds. So, I mean, we will. Well, but we, we wanted to go into top details, ones. But yeah. yeah. A, a few of them to understand, forms. right? That what impacts uh, you have in the, in the sugar trade. Um, so, let's move on to discuss how the industry has changed since you, you know, you started out in this. So, what have been the major events in the history of sugar business over the last, you know, few decades? Uh, and maybe three, four, whatever is you think are important in your in your view? Sure. So I think the first major change I've seen over 20 years mm -hmm. is the trade flows have changed. Okay. So if you look at the early 90s and early 2000, uh, Europe was the main exporter of sugar. Okay. Refined sugar mm. to the world. Mm. Uh, but in 2006, the European governments decided not to give any subsidy mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, they decided to impose quotas mm. uh, and Europe's position was then changed uh, or, or the uh, Brazil and Thailand took mm. that position so mm. if you look now uh, the trade flows from Europe have changed to Brazil mm. and Thailand so these are the top two exporters uh, exporters or other players in the global uh, sugar trade. Mm. Uh, 15 years back, Thailand was like 
a 50 million ton sugarcane crop mm-hmm. uh, today they produce close to 130 140 million tons of sugarcane and the thai government has a mandate by 2023 they will increase the sugarcane production to about 200 200 million tons of sugarcane mm-hmm. so that's okay. so that's the kind of changing landscape uh, brazil produces on a regular basis close to 600 million tons of sugarcane yeah so that's the clear shift mm-hmm. uh, as far as the trade flow is concerned mm. uh, now there has been a shift of the type of sugar mm. so if you look at the global trade which was anywhere between 50 to 60 million tons mm. earlier 70 80% was in the form of white sugar okay which was ready for consumption right and a very small portion was raw sugar which used to come again for further refinery now right. that trend has totally reversed so of the 56 or 60 million tons you have 80% a majority uh, uh as raw sugar and then only a small 20% is is traded as as uh, white sugar yeah. so is it because the importing nations want to you know import raw sugar and refine it in their own place so that like you know they can give jobs to their people or what is the what is the driving force behind this yeah so i think the driving force is number one i think it's easier to it's more efficient from a freight perspective mm. to ship raw sugar as Fair compared enough. to bagged white yeah, sugar absolutely. so that was the main absolutely yeah right yeah and uh Uh, earlier when the sugar used to be shipped in break bulk vessels there was a lot of damage and it oh. used to go to multiple handling right so Absolutely. overall from an efficiency and an ingredient reputation standpoint it was not a very efficient way of so even industry prefers this. it it's not a you know sort of a um, yeah sort of a governmental thing Correct. it is so, industry itself prefers this way okay good prefers good this way that. that is one the second biggest driver was you know when Uh, Europe went out of the global trade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the sugar is a futures traded commodity, like coffee, like Correct. wheat, like corn. And Correct. there are two futures exchange. One is the Intercontinental New York Terminal Eleven, which right. mainly trades the raw sugar. Mm. And then there is the Intercontinental Exchange, London Number Five Terminal, which mm. trades uh, refined sugar. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now the difference, and both of them trade at different. levels right mm. example uh new york today is trading at 300 dollars whereas london is trading at an average of 410 415 dollars mm. so this difference between the new york 11 and london 5 is what is called as the white's premium or it can all, it's also called as the arbitrage so it right. is a difference yeah. i was going to ask yeah that yeah, yeah sure so so when i mean before 2006 this difference used to pretty much stay within the 45 50 mark okay but once europe went out mm. suddenly there was a scarcity of sugar mm. and london number no. 5 started coming up because demand was there but the supply was was less yeah. so this difference now i mean after 2006 expanded to 80 dollars and 90 dollars then 100 dollars right so what people thought, you know then what people thought was that it is better To, to put a standalone refinery at the destination rather right. than ship all the white sugar from Brazil or Europe or wherever into the deficit areas 
right? right. So the it was the worth that you know that differential justified that investment and worth it, and uh, also like you said, uh, why ship less of bagged sugar when you can ship you know uh, raw? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if if the white premium, the difference between London and, and New York uh, is about hundred dollars, mm. whereas the cost of refining, bringing the raw sugar, refining it, bagging it, is is let's say eighty eighty five dollars. Mm. Uh, you know, so the people could clearly see margin in that business, and that's how the entire trade flow has shifted from white sugar to raw mm. sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. interesting. Um, and the third shift I've seen is that uh, earlier, when white sugar used to move, it used mm-hmm. to move twelve and twelve and a half thousand tons, twenty five thousand tons. It used mm-hmm. to move in small boats to medium boats, mm-hmm. uh, vessels. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Now that has been completely replaced by container containers. So the global trade has moved from these small brick bulk vessel boats to mm. containers. Mm-hmm. And because raw sugar trade has exploded, uh, that has now moved to all the uh, bulk vessels. Mm-hmm. So your Handymax, Panamax, mm-hmm. supersize and Cape size vessels. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the demand for those vessels have come up and, you know, that flow Mm. The format of flow has also really come up. So these are some of the, let's say, major shifts mm-hmm. I've seen in the last mm-hmm. uh, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one more uh, minor shift, which also has happened very recently, is that uh, you know Europe went out in 2006, mm. uh, where they stopped giving any uh, export subsidies and they put quota restrictions because they're still used to support the farmers. So they wanted to control the quantity they produce so that they don't have to, you know, uh, know, lose money. Yeah, lose money. In 2017, the European sugar industry deregulated, which means that they removed all the quota restrictions and they allowed the most efficient producers to gain by just the economies of scale. Right. Uh, Right. So that has been the fourth, like a major shift which has happened over the last 20 years. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, uh, you know, are there other shifts which you want to uh, highlight on the production side or processing side? Because quite a bit of it that you talked about are like, you know, supply chain reconfigurations kind of a thing, right? Uh, In the in the whole uh, chain. Uh, But anything on the production or processing, anything changed in this industry, maybe technology, maybe something else, or it's like it's been there how it was before? Yeah, so I think no, uh, I think uh, clearly there is m- the the newer mills which have come up in the last 10, 15 years, uh, and which are which have come in the last five years as well. So the technology has definitely improved, mm-hmm. so m- they are more and more efficient uh, mm-hmm. in their uh, in their working, in the mm-hmm. way they produce. So if you take a sugar mill and if you compare the cost of product producing a ton of sugar. Mm. Uh, and if you compare it with with the mill now, uh, you know, there's definitely, it's much more efficient to produce that. So that definitely has happened, be it uh, a mill, which is crushing the cane and producing the raw sugar or the white sugar, refined sugar, or be it a refinery, which is taking in raw sugar and producing refined sugar. Uh, definitely both have are more technologically advanced. Right. Uh, so that is, that is one. Uh, the other thing is supply chains have 
over a period of time reconfigured so one of course i told about how the shift happened from white sugar to refined sugar uh, but 15 years back 20 years back uh, white sugar or, or sugar was transported in 50 kg bags then people started to move that in much bigger bags so mm-hmm. one ton 1.2 metric ton bags mm-hmm. uh, you know because then use less packing material less labor intensive and so on and so forth many countries have certain regulations that you know a laborer cannot lift beyond a certain you know, beyond a certain weight you know so these kind of regulations forced people to move on to uh, big bags and then that again now has moved slowly moving to big bulk flexi uh, bulk liner uh, bags so okay. you know if if you take a 20 foot container you can mm. load about 24 tons of sugar so right. there's a bag which just fits the full container and okay. sugar is just pumped into the container and then uh, through centrifugal pumps and then either it is offloaded through gravity or again through centrifugal pumps and directly put in silos you know so so that again is far more efficient it is untouched so you don't need multiple handlings there's no sugar loss and not even you know the kind of like you know one ton bag lift and put you know that, yeah no uh, forklift everything you know so so you know so these are some it's almost like liquid like, flow right it is almost like like transporting orange juice or something in a tanker or you know milk in a tanker right it is correct, what you're correct, describing correct. is something like that but just that it's a 20 foot uh, cuboid container and uh, yeah. you know but it's you know pumped in and extracted a somewhat similar ways yeah. you know, yeah. given so the difference between solid and liquid of course yeah there are countries who use bulk tankers mm-hmm. which carry the solid granulated sugar Oh. and obviously you have the container and the bulk flexi liners uh, so that way and then uh, you spoke about liquid so now the industry is also moving towards liquid sugar mm. which is a even more efficient and a cleaner uh, supply chain as far as industrial processes food processes are concerned right yeah you know for processed foods you may not need uh, you may prefer the liquid because it can you know you can mix it up with your for recipes is that correct like yeah, look if you take uh, 100 uh, different uses of sugar and on products mm. then most of them basically liquefy the sugar and they add water etc and use the final product mm. right so if but if you quit sugar directly then that saves you in an additional sta- stage uh, when you manufacturing liquid sugar the crystal crystallization happens only after uh, you know the the sugar is in liquid form correct yeah but crystallization takes a lot of energy it exactly. uses chemicals exactly. so if you are able to produce liquid sugar tap out liquid and transport it and use it mm-hmm. then it is a far more efficient and a cost cost effective way of producing sugar so these are some of the changes Uh, which are also happening right any industry consolidations uh so uh the consolidation is happening uh you know so the bigger players are probably buying out mills which are which have a weak ben, uh, you know financial standing or standing uh, yeah or are financially stressed and mm-hmm. we see a lot of that happening in brazil mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, 
there is no new investment coming uh, in the industry because in terms of capacity, there's enough and more refining capacity in the world. So today, uh, uh, you know, the mills are operating at almost 40, 50% of the ideal capacity. So there's clearly six to 7 million tons of ideal capacity, which is underutilized. So at any point of time, if the demand goes up, there is enough and more capacity mm-hmm. to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And and also it's not a, it's not like a 10, 15 million dollar, um, you know, kind of a capex, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, we use in some of the other commodities mm-hmm. uh, at the primary processing level. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're putting a sugar mill, uh, mm-hmm. the capex can be easily 200 million, 300 million dollars, right? So the barriers right. of entry, mm-hmm. barriers for entry into this thing is also very large. Mm-hmm. And hence, uh, you know, nobody is willing to really put additional uh, capex and investment in the industry. Correct, correct. So I was looking at the, you know, some of the sugar trade statistics, uh, you know, um, and we also spoke about them. Uh, when I looked at the statistics, one thing that uh, sort of jumped out for me was that the uh, sugar consumption, correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, kind of mostly held steady in the last five years in most country. Indonesia was one country where I saw that there was some growth. Uh, but, you know, you know, if you read, uh, whether it is news media, social media, everywhere, you know, people keep talking or, you know, one-on-one interactions among friends, we all keep talking about cutting down sugar intake. So how come sugar consumption has not fallen? So sugar demand, uh, so if you look at the agricultural uh, domain, and if you look at the demand for agriculture, any agricultural commodity, typically they grow at a GDP growth rate of the country, which Mm -hmm. is anywhere between one and a half, two percent, and in some cases it is more. Mm -hmm. So historically, uh, now demand, because sugar is consumed in every country, to collate that kind of a data is impossible. Right, mm. so a GDP growth rate is a good proxy which people have always used mm. in arriving on a supply and demand equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, supply is more easier because there are like 10, 15 major origins, mm-hmm. so you know though they they are more manageable in terms of crop surveys and and you know estimating what will be the supply. But demand is is a, is a tedious process. So two percent demand is always plugged in that you know sugar will grow at a two percent demand. Uh, and if you look at, let's say, eight to nine years from, you know, back, that is the rate sugar was actually growing. So that right. was a number which was plugged into the s and equation. Uh, but all the reasons which you just uh, alluded, uh, Venkat, people are moving away from sugar and preferring, you know, less calories and all. So the demand for sugar is still happening, but it is now growing at maybe 1% or slight less than 1%. Okay. okay. So, so it's not growing as it was earlier, but it is now growing at probably one or thereabout percent. Okay. Okay. So I, and, I and, yeah. And the reason for that is you have still 75 to 80 million people added in world population every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one driving factor. You have a large chunk. If you look at the last 15 years, Mm-hmm. Uh, you have almost a billion, billion and a half people mm-hmm. uh, within Asia and Africa who have moved from a low income to mm-hmm. a medium I, income. So their I, calorie consumption has gone up. Uh, uh, at a micro level, yeah. I get yeah, it. and, and uh, 
So calorie consumption is also in form of not only proteins, but it's also in form of processed foods. And processed right. foods obviously use a lot of sugar, um, you know. So, so yeah, so sugar demand will always be there. Uh, yeah, but it is definitely, it is going to s- slow down um, in the coming years. Right. On the consumer side, are there any uh, changes that are taking place which will have an impact on the industry, you know, apart from this, which we talked about? Um, in fact, uh, I'm additionally curious uh, when you said that uh, industry is moving towards liquid sugar. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, oh, the thought came to my mind that uh, will will we start buying uh, liquid sugar, you know, and instead of us, you know, when we in the future, will we when we talk about a spoonful of sugar, it may not be sugar crystals, but like, will it be liquid sugar? Um, anyway, so I leave it to you. What are the consumer end changes that are taking place, uh, which are significant for the industry? In sugar? So, so liquid sugar change is happening at an industrial level, at a large scale mm-hmm. industrial level. I don't see that happening at a consumer level Consum- to that extent, uh, because liquid sugar has uh, very uh, less shelf life hmm. compared oh. to granulated okay. sugar, right? So, okay. you know, so those things will be driven by those factors. Correct. Correct. At a consumer Correct. level, you will not have. But at a, at a macro consumer level, I think, uh, uh, so there will be people who will be moving away to less calories, mm-hmm. right? And hence moving away from sugar. Uh, uh, There'll be people, as I said, you know, who will be driving the demand for sugar, middle class, growing population, etc. But I think one of the trends which I see is that consumers are getting more and more uh, aware. Mm-hmm. They want to know where is the sugar coming from. Mm-hmm. They want to know uh, that whether this sugar or any commodity for that matter is grown in a sustainable uh, fashion. You know mm-hmm. what kind of impact it's having on the climate, on the environment, right. what kind of impact it is having on the communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so whether it's involving child labor in cocoa or even uh, involving child on on sugarcane fields, mm-hmm. to you know what kind of a water impact, water usage it'll have, uh, to a whole host of other things, to what kind of carbon footprint. Right. Uh, you know, so so I think that awareness is coming. Uh, so more and more companies will move to sustainable way of growing sugar or any other agri-commodity. And I think that is the biggest shift as far as consumer mm-hmm. at a macro level, which we are seeing. That's that's very interesting that, you know, that people are asking and, uh, you know, uh, questioning this uh, uh, environmental impact and uh, origin and, uh, uh, you know, social responsibility. Uh, you know, in the next part of uh, our discussion, um, you know, uh, please let's let's uh, spend a little time on on these aspect and uh, you know uh, on on water uh, of uh, water consumption by this industry uh, uh, and uh, also the other social issues that you just talked about. Let's let's take it up in the next part of our our uh, discussion. Now. Okay. Sure. Thank you for joining us in yet another episode of Move Conversations. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the Move Conversations YouTube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. Thank you very much. Till I see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a great day.